Psalm 138, if you found it, let's get into the scriptures. If you're willing and able to, let's stand together. We'll begin reading in verse number 1, and just read these eight verses of Psalm 138. David said, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy love and kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. We're going to pray, and then you can be seated. I'm going to come back to verse number 7, right in the middle of it, where he says, Though I walk... In the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Now we see this phrase in the scriptures, and honestly, as I was studying, just just in my, my reading, the Lord brought that little phrase out to me. And on on this subject matter of revival when it doesn't seem possible. When I'm walking in the midst of trouble. Thou wilt revive me. I'm not going to ask how many it seems like right now. You're just walking in the midst of trouble. Trouble on every side. It just seems like one thing after another. In the midst of that, thou wilt revive me. Let's have a word of prayer, and then maybe God will encourage us from the Scriptures today. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much for Calvary, his shed blood for us to be able to provide eternal salvation. Lord, we do once again think about Brother Brent as he's up there at the hospital. We pray for him and Miss Tracy. I pray, Lord, you'd help them through this time. Lord, we think about Brother Bill and Miss Linda Stowell. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen his body and heal him as he's going through that chemo and radiation Give strength and comfort to both him and Miss Linda. Lord, many others in our church that are out sick this morning, physical ailments that they're going through, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, Lord, that you would heal them, strengthen them up to be able to be back with us. Lord, we miss them. And so, Lord, may we be found faithful praying for them. Lord, help us today as we look into the Scriptures, and then, Lord, as we prepare our hearts towards the revival services over the next five days, Lord, that you'd help us from the Word of God. Now, Lord, would you help us this morning, draw us close to you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When we speak about this subject matter of revival, I'll remind us on what the definition of it actually means to Uh, make alive or to bring back to life the revival that re is again. 
And so as we think about this, and we think about this subject matter of will, that wilt revive me, this strengthening of me, this putting life back in me, there's no doubt that across our nation and our land as a whole that they are away from God and not living according to the righteousness and to the word of God. The Bible describes it as we read throughout the scriptures as a falling away. And there's going to be a falling away, a walking away from the things of the Lord. And sometimes we wonder as we look across our nation, is there any hope whatsoever of seeing a great moving of the Lord to be able to stir hearts like we've seen in the past? If you study this region of the country and you go back a little over 200 years, back into the late 1700s, there were meetings that were called the the Great Awakenings that were taking place across this region of the country that you had some some brothers that would stand up. You had some Wesley brothers. You had some Whitfield. You had an Edwards that would stand up, and they would proclaim the word of God, and literally thousands upon thousands would come and gather together to be able to hear simply the preaching and the proclaiming of the word of God. You had churches that were started across the regions. You had people that would leave this area. Just a couple weeks ago, my wife and I, we drove through North Carolina from from west and the Tennessee side, coming across to Wilson, all the way across to 95, and then headed north. And I made mention of of, uh, Sandy Creek, North Carolina. And there was a Bostonian named Shubal Stearns that actually left uh, from the Boston area, started traveling south and got into Virginia. God wasn't stirring much in Virginia at that time. He kept traveling to North Carolina, got to Sandy Creek, started preaching, and God just moved in on that area. Long story short, I'll just uh, summarize it by this, that as of today... Now, this was back in the late 1700s when that took place. But as of today, there's actually over 2,000 churches that can trace their heritage back to what God did in those early days in Sandy Creek, North Carolina. Thousands would come and fill the woods as the preacher would stand up. So we look at these things and we look at the morality of America and we say, listen, is there any hope? for turning this thing back to God. Now, we look at things, and, and uh, now listen, it's by no means, I, I, I place no hope whatsoever in our capitals, in our White House. It's not up to them to turn the church of God back to Him. It's up to us. As individuals, I preached just a few weeks ago on the subject matter of how close are you to God. It is up to us, but we look at this and say, well, God, there is sin that's abounding on every side. They are emboldened, and we look at this and say, God, is there any hope whatsoever? We look and say there's families and individuals that are facing absolutely incredible situations in their lives, and what's the answer for that? May I remind us the answer is God. There are marriages that are literally on the verge of non-existence. 
What's the answer for that? God. There's young people that have the seeds of rebellion and disobedience and anti-God in them. What's the answer for that? God. We've taken God out of every place possible here in America. And I'm afraid that many times as we sit in churches on a Sunday morning, that many times that we've actually taken God out of our lives. And we even sit in church on a Sunday morning. But when church becomes just a religious duty, something to be able to check off, and that God's not even close to it, listen, something's wrong in our lives. And I pray for a, a moving of God in our hearts and our lives. Listen, that'll rescue marriages, that'll rescue families, that'll rescue churches, that'll rescue young people. And asking God for an old-fashioned stirring. Is it going to come from Pastor Chamberlain at Granite State Baptist Church? No, but I'll say this. I'm praying the same thing in my life. And say, God, would you start it right here by moving in my heart and life, drawing me closer to you than I ever have been before. To put it simply, I, I can't do anything about you. I can't force you to walk with God. I can't do that. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just make each other do it? We've raised teenagers, haven't we? We can't do that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we can't do that? I'm responsible for me, but I can get up and preach the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit of God and say, God, would you speak to hearts across the sound of my voice this morning and say, God, we desire for you to do something in our lives and God, would you start it with me? I see a couple things on that revival can take place as we see it here in Psalm 138. A few things around this statement, thou wilt revive me. First of all, I see this, and I just wrote a few things down that God encouraged me on. I see that there's confidence in God hearing prayer. You say, what do you mean? I looked in verse number three. Look what David said in verse number three with us. He says, in the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. Can I encourage us this morning that there is a God in heaven that desires to hear the prayers that we offer up to him. Prayer is perhaps the greatest weapon that we have of anything across our nation or around this world today to be able to bow our heads or bend our knee and be able to get before the Lord and say, God, would you work in my life? Prayer. He uses words like this, when I cried, thou answerest. But then he was asking this and said, thou strengthenest me and strength with strength. Listen, notice where it was in my soul. I found out this and, and listen, there is a lot of things. I told him down in our connection group this morning at nine o'clock. I said, there are so many, especially this morning, so many moving parts in people's lives that are going on right now at 1030 on this Sunday morning. I said, there are those that are, that are laying in the hospital. 
There are those that are laying back home and they're sick. There are those that are, are dealing with issues in their life that they can't, they're not going to bring up to anybody else, but maybe they brought it up to me and they're saying, Pastor, would you leave it as an unspoken to the church? But we really need to be praying on this. We really need to listen. I see it, and, and, and I'm not going to. Don't get nervous. From the front row to the back row and all the way back down front again, that, listen, it's not just physical things on the outside that, listen, I stub my toe. But it's things, listen, this is affecting my, it's, it's affecting my soul. This is deeper down. And if God doesn't do something, we're talking about discouragement. We're talking about getting our mind towards because it's a constant battle. These thoughts that are being come through our minds. And we can have confidence that there is a God that hears prayer. There is a God that is desiring to be able to listen to what we bring before him. Listen, we're not just walking before a, a God that's been carved out of wood or out of stone. He's not just a statue that's been put down in front here. But we have a God that's alive and seated upon his throne this morning. And can revival, listen, when it doesn't seem that it can take place, when you're saying I'm so far down, as one southern preacher put it this way, he said, I'm lower than a snake's belly in a, in a wagon rut. Now that's pretty low, isn't it? Do I need to say that again? He said, I'm lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. That's pretty low. Come ask Brother Dan Rawls afterwards what the meaning of that is and everything. He'll be able to explain it. That's pretty low, isn't it? Hey, listen, there's some that walk in this morning and they're saying, Pastor, I'm doing everything I can do just to be able to breathe and to be able to make it through today. There's a God that hears prayer. Now, I know sometimes, and, and I by no means ever want it to come, by, come across that it's just a cliche or just a, an easy way out to be able to say this when you're going through some of your darkest hours. Listen, there, there may not be anything else that I can absolutely do except for to be able to say, I'm praying for you right now. That may be it. But I can encourage you, listen, I will do everything in my heart and life to make sure I'm right with God so that I can go before the Lord on your behalf because we can have confidence that there's a God that hears and answers prayer. And we can take it before the Lord. I was reminded early this morning of Jeremiah 33.3, God's telephone number, someone once called it. Call unto me, God said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Do you know what our responsibility is? To call him. You know what his responsibility that he's promised? And I'll show you some things. Now listen, sometimes what he shows us is none other than that peace that passeth all understanding, but having the confidence in knowing that there's a God that hears and answers prayer. Can revival take place when it seems like it's not? When you're sitting here saying, Pastor, I don't know anywhere what else to do. I don't even know if I can make it. There is a God that hears prayer. And you know something? When you're at your lowest, he sat down through here. Listen, though the Lord be high. And that's, listen, that doesn't mean the same thing that you're thinking it means down on the street, okay? 
That's not the high that he's talking about. Isaiah saw the Lord in Isaiah chapter number 6, and the Bible says that he was high and lifted up. In other words, the the position of power and ability and respect that he is in, you may be at your lowest, but God is at his highest. And you may say, I can't go any lower. It was said one day that, listen, your rock bottom might be the very foundation that the rest of your life is built upon. And we see things in our hearts and lives and say, "I'm I'm just down low. What can we do? At least we can pray. At least we know there's a God that hears and answers prayer. But then can I say this in our our text verse, in our phrase that's right here, can I say that we can have confidence that circumstances can change also. You say, well, there's nothing that's going to change here. This is just the end of it. Look what he said in verse number 7. After he says, thou wilt revive me, he says this. He says, though I walk... In the midst of trouble. Do you understand that walk is his everyday life? This is where he's living on a daily basis. And where's he living? What's his surrounding circumstances? He said, though I walk in the midst, that's right in the middle of trouble. Now listen, that's not saying you're in trouble, but you're in trouble. And how many of us, some people just dread getting out of bed in the morning not because they're still tired, but they get up and they look over here and guess what? It's nothing but problems. They get over here, it's nothing but trouble. They're like, I I might as well go back to bed, at least close my eyes and go to sleep. I had a good dream. It wasn't problems. Can I say this? Even when we're praying, circumstances can change. He's walking in the midst of trouble. These are things, listen, in the midst of that, he says, though I'm walking in the midst of trouble, the confidence that's here, thou wilt revive me. In other words, what was taking place around David at that time, David was realizing, God, I need you to revive me. He he was saying, I'm in the midst of trouble. Thou wilt revive me. In other words, something was gone out of David that he knew that God was going to take care of in the midst of the life that he was in at that moment. I'm walking in the midst of trouble. Thou wilt revive me. Sometimes we sit back and we look at it, and I believe the application we could make today is we could say, listen, everything around me, Lord, it's killing me. Thou wilt revive me. Put life back into Lord, I'm I'm not with the joy. I'm not with the happiness and the contentment and the peace that I once had. But God, I know you can change those circumstances. And God, I know that you can bring that back into my life. And listen, there's times that we have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I look around me and all of this has taken place. But God, I know you'll revive me. Circumstances can change. I thought in our hearts and lives, listen, there is a lot. We pray over it. We pray for people. One o'clock this morning is when the text came through that Brother Brent had just gotten out of surgery. The surgeon said things were going well. Aren't you thankful that even at one o'clock in the morning that God's not sleeping? And that he still answers prayer at wee times of the morning. Listen, I'm not the only one that's gone before the Lord in the early hours of the morning saying, listen, I look on every side and it's just trouble all around me. Lord, you'll revive me though. 
confidence in the Lord that circumstances will change and God will be able to make a difference. Now, what's the difference? I I noticed this and can I encourage you on this? With everything that was going on in David's life, and we're not given the, the private information that's here of everything that David's going through. But I was encouraged by that little four-letter word, walk. He said in verse number seven, though I walk in the midst of trouble. You say, why were you encouraged by that? Because he wasn't sitting down and giving up. I thought at least he's putting one foot in front of the other one, though I walk in the midst of trouble. And sometimes that feels like all we can do in a morning, isn't it? You wake up and say, you know, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. How many remember, and I'm not going to ask if you, you might feel like this spiritually from time to time. How many remember the old, and I'm talking old, Dunkin' Donuts commercial? There it is right there. And what did that guy look at? Miss Joy just said it, that uh, he gets up. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. He's having to use toothpicks to be able to keep his eyes open. And he's walking out. And what's he saying? Time to make the donuts. Wasn't he just full of joy? Wasn't he just full of excitement? Wasn't he full of anticipation? How many remember that being I'm aging myself right here. There was no one in their 20s that raised their hand and said, I remember that. I thought, you know, sometimes we feel like that spiritually. That we're getting up in the morning and just saying, I'm, I feel like I'm just walking in the midst of trouble. But yet you're still walking. You're still up. You're still putting one foot in front of the other. That's not a good analogy for you, is it, Brother Mike? Isn't it great to see the Polizies back here with us this morning? I keep saying putting one foot in front of the other, and he's in a walking boot back there. That's not the best analogy. But aren't you thankful? Listen, sometimes all we can do is just go forward a little bit. And, and, and we're surrounded by trouble. But listen, in the midst of that, there was still confidence that circumstances can still change. I'm not willing to give up until God gives up. And I'm still willing to say, as long as there's a God in heaven and as long as there's breath in your lungs, listen, God can provide a miracle. In fact, I'll take it a step further. In the case of Lazarus, he didn't give up till four days later. So someone once said it, said, listen, until you're past four days dead, I'm not giving up on God. And I'm not giving up on you. Circumstances that God can change. But then I notice this as we come down through and we see this phrase, thou wilt revive me. We get to verse number eight where he closes it off. And he says, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Here's what he said. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. And I wrote down, this probably encouraged me as much as the other two points. I was excited about Psalm 138 that, listen, God does hear and answer prayer. Circumstances, God can change. But then, listen, the completion of God's will in my life will take place. 
And David said here, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Do we understand that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives? He does, doesn't he? How many wish God would lay that out to you ahead of time and say, here's what I'm trying to do? And here's, here's where I'm, I'm trying to get you to. He doesn't lay that all out at one time. I, and in a way, I wish he would. I knew what, I'd know how to plan for what's coming. But in a way, I'm glad he doesn't because I wouldn't know how to plan for what's coming for a few things. But here's the confidence. God will take care of us. Now, here's the confidence that David had in God. The things that David was going through, I'm walking in the midst of trouble, but by the end of it, here's what David said, forsake not the works of thine own hands. God, what you are doing in my life, don't stop. Now, that's a tough prayer to pray sometimes. That's a tough point to get to, to saying, God, listen, everything that I'm going through and I walk in the midst of trouble, I know you're going to revive me and I believe that you're going to perfect that what you're doing. Forsake not the work of thine hands. God, the work that you're doing in my life, the Apostle Paul put it several times as he went through, and by no means, and we went over this on Thursday night in the book of Philippians of the persecutions and things that Paul was going through. No means do I pray for that. No means do I desire that. I don't wish that upon every, anybody. But uh, the Apostle Paul, over and over and over in his life, he finally came to a point one time that he said this, after he besought the Lord to remove that, thorn in the flesh. He, he prayed three times for that. He said after that, he said, most rather than why glory in the infirmities. Lord, the, the things that you've put in my life, God, I know that you have a plan that you are desiring to accomplish in my life, but do we trust him enough to let him keep going and complete it? You see, he knows the end result. How many here have ever, and I'm not saying you've painted something, usually you, you know where you're heading on a, on a piece of artwork. How many have ever sat back and watched someone else paint? So that took place over the past couple days. There's a big board downstairs ready for the float. And it has three camels on it, and it has what uh, a supposed setting of the city of, of Bethlehem, and it has that down, it's painted on that. Crystal started painting that on Friday, and she projected it up there, and, and uh, I said, well, that's just not for me. I, that, she does a greater job than what I do on that. But I looked at it, and she, she painted about two-thirds of that board, and I said, you're going to paint the rest of it? She said, no, that's different. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, how in the world? What, what's that even going to look like there? Well, that's the night scene, and this is going to be the, the night desert down here and everything. And I'm thinking, you know, I would have quit right there and said it's not coming out. But when I looked at that, I had to say, you know, I just trust you know what the end result's going to be. 
Now, how many times do we or should we honestly say that before the Lord? And say, Lord, you know what the end result is. Lord, you know what you're desiring to make with your hands. Roman tells us, Romans tells us in chapter number 8 that we're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And what that's going to take in my life, I don't know. But God does. And so when these things are in my life and I'm saying, God, is revival even possible? The condition that I'm in right now, yes, it is possible, trusting that he's going to complete the work that he started in us. We just had our memory verse here just a few weeks back, and it was Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6 that says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I can't do it. You're right, we can't. You say, Pastor, the, what we're going through in my emotional state and my physical state and my mental state right now, I don't even know if that's possible. I'm walking in the midst of trouble. We'll have the confidence that in the midst of that, listen, God will revive us. God will stir us up. God will put that life in us. Listen, there's been times I've walked in. There was, there was one time, I, I vividly remember it. I was in an airport, and I was getting ready to get on a plane to fly down to Brazil. And I, I met up with the man that was flying with me, Brother Charlie Russell, and I walked up to him, and we met in the, I, I don't know if it was the Atlanta airport, may have been Atlanta, or it might have been Detroit. And as I met with him, we started talking. We were standing there in the airport, and I said, Brother Charlie, I said, I just want to be 100% transparent. I said, before we get on this plane, I said, spiritually, I said, I'm about as dry as I've ever been. I said, I don't know what I'm preaching when I get down there. <laughs> I said, I have no idea which direction. I said, I don't know what all we're going to be doing. I said, I'm just letting you know. And I said, I just need the Lord to do something in my heart. Now, was I living in sin? No. To the best of my knowledge, listen, there wasn't, there wasn't sin that was abounding in my life. I was just going through one of those down and dry times in my life. And I said, I just need God to do something. Well, it wasn't really good because he looked back at me and he said, Brother Peter, I'm in the exact same place. And I'm like, this is, this is great. Two preachers getting on an airplane to go down to Brazil to be able to do something for God. And neither one of us know what we're going to do when we show up there. And I said, we just need God to do something. You say, Pastor, why would you tell us that? I mean, you're, you're supposed to be the, the pillar up there for the example for the whole church. I want you to know there's times like that that come. But you know what I did? I got on the airplane. You know what I did? I got on the airplane. I sat down, opened up my Bible. I said, Lord, I sure need you to do something. Spend some time with him. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in the word of God. And I'll say this, boy, we showed up down in Brazil, got over our jet lag, woke up the next morning, started going to meeting, and God sure did move in and do a work down there. And we're thankful for it. What it came back to is, listen, it may be that we need to spend some time in prayer with the Lord in confidence knowing there's a God that hears and answers prayer. Well, I wish he'd answer a little bit quicker. 
Boy, I say that all the time. God, would you just answer on my time frame instead of yours? God's outside of time, so he's not on our time or your time. Maybe spend some time in prayer and take it before the Lord. You know it's okay to be honest with the Lord? It's okay to say, well, he already knows. It's okay to pour out your heart before him. Say, Lord, I'm just walking in the midst of trouble right now. And Lord, it just seems like it's everywhere around me. Is revival even possible? It is. With the confidence that in a God that hears prayer, that circumstances God can change, and that God is going to complete His will in my life. And I just got to trust Him to do it. And there are some, some things we may not be able to see the other side right now, but I want to encourage you, there's a God in heaven. Let's have the confidence He'll revive our hearts. He'll stir us up. I've said it a few times this week, and, and I know there's a lot. And I'm trying to be as transparent as I can this morning, but also show the severity that some of our families, I know they're going through some things, and I know it's a tough time on them. I'm trying to look at this and be able to say, you know, let's be going before the Lord and believe in yes. Now, I don't believe it's because of sin that they're going through these things. I don't think just because you go through a trial in your life, it's because there's sin. That's, that's, I don't believe that's Bible teaching, okay? I don't believe that. But I do know this. There's been times I walk into a meeting like this and throughout this week, now, I'm going to sit right down here on that front row every night this week. I'm not doing the preaching. Brother Ricky Gravely's doing the preaching. And I'm sitting down there saying, Lord, I need you to speak to me the same way everybody else here needs you to speak to them. And it may not be a matter of you need to confess sin, be able to get things right. It may just be that, listen, just because of the weight of life, that maybe that fire that was once there, maybe it's just gone down to smoldering now. And maybe it's, you know, I need to ask God just to be able to stir that back up, just to be able to put some life back into it. And God, would you revive me and spend some time in prayer knowing that circumstances can change, knowing that the completion of God's will in my life will take place and trusting Him for it. I'm okay with the two words, and if that's all I ever say when something comes up is, let's pray. Because I always want to know there's a God in heaven that I may not be able to change it, but I know that He can, and we'll take it before Him. Is revival a stirring up of our hearts, getting back that peace and that joy and excitement? Hey, there's some that's walked into our church and can I continue to be transparent this morning? They've just been beat down by other churches. And there's no joy of going to church whatsoever. Well, I'm saying, hey, God, would you revive them? God, would you allow that joy and the peace and the excitement and everything get back in their hearts just about being in the house of God, knowing that God's doing it? And God's still on the throne. Would we trust him? through all of it, and say, God, would you bring me out the other side? Because what you're going to do, and God, it, it, and then our prayer, and I don't, I don't want to get away from this, God, what you are doing in my life, 
Don't stop. Forsake not the work of thine hands. But God, I don't like it, but don't stop. Because I know you know what's best at the end. You know where we're going and Lord, I'm going to trust you.